Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 15. And when you pray, you must, not, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who is in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty praises as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And pray like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for if you forgive others their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you and verse 15 But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Good morning. Um, it's a privilege for me to proclaim the gospel here in GCF Naga. Before anything else, uh, let, let us put ourselves again in the presence of the Almighty God. Uh, Eternal God, we glorify you, we adore you, because indeed, Lord, you are the God who is completely sovereign, infinite in wisdom, perfect in love. And Lord, have mercy on us sinners, Lord. We need your grace daily. And Lord, uh, may you bless us this morning, and may you use me, your unworthy servant, to proclaim your word. And may the Spirit of God work his uh, um, inner, work his uh, Um, inner transformation, uh, his work of inner testimony in the hearts of each one of the people here in the congregation. And Lord, uh, may you send me the unction of your spirit despite my inadequacy in speech, help me to proclaim your word with clarity. And may you send um, the, the gift of understanding to each one as I proclaim your word this morning. We give you back all the glory. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. If I were to ask you today, how are we to pray? What would you say? How are Christians supposed to pray? There might be some of us who would say, that it's not significant, the, the house of prayer, or how we pray. But it is more important um, how often we pray. Some might insist 
that prayer to God is like a conversation with a friend. Others might have a very detailed system or order when praying. Still others, not knowing exactly how we should pray, will simply recite our Father or any written prayer material. I can tell you, first of all, that it is indeed significant how we pray. And uh, Jesus would have never thought particularly on this topic if there were not at least some ABCs or basic principles to praying. So in chapter 6, on this part of the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus gives us instructions on two subjects. One is that of giving to the needy that was discussed already, and the other is uh, that of prayer. Both were subjects to which the Jews attached great importance, and both in themselves deserves the serious attention of all professing Christians. So the context of this passage is the section of the Great Sermon of the Mount, which is widely known as the Lord's Prayer or the Model Prayer. The model prayer is a passage in the Word of God that rebukes the ostentatious and hypocritical display of the religious leaders during the time of our Lord. Our Lord Jesus has been contrasting the true righteousness that he requires from his followers with the false righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, also known as the scribes. So Matthew chapter 6, 5 to 18, is really predicated on Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. Our Lord Jesus says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus discusses in our walk, in the earlier portion of the Sermon of the Mount, our Lord has offered uh, several examples of how the Pharisees misinterpret the law word of God in order to lower its demands, enabling them to put up an, an appearance of superficial obedience and external righteousness by their man-made interpretation. Now, our Lord addresses another aspect of their false righteousness and continues to contrast that with what he truly requires from genuine followers or genuine believers. The Sermon of the Mount is basically an attitude check for Christians. It is a radical passage, and some Christian scholars think that the Lord's Prayer is an exposition or an extension of the Ten Commandments. And that may be true for the Ten Commandments and the Sermon of the Mount is a spiritual leveling that makes everybody in great need. Our Lord is setting a standard for the kingdom men or for Christians and seeing if we want to put ourselves in this kind of radical call to spiritual discipleship. So the Sermon of the Mount fulfills six of the Ten Commandments. And earlier, if you already, uh, if you already read Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 5, 
Matthew 5.17, our Lord says, He came to fulfill the law and the prophets. So His Sermon of the Mount reveals the true intention of the Ten Commandments or the moral law in the light of the, cam- the coming Messiah. Uh, this is uh, what evangelical scholar D.A. Carson, someone I deem highly, says, Jesus fulfills the law and the prophets in that they point to him and he is their fulfillment. The antithesis is not between abolish and keep, but between abolish and fulfill because Jesus did not come to abolish the law in the Old Testament. He honors the law, but to fulfill the law. And our Lord Jesus is thus uh, not primarily engaged only in extending or intensifying Old Testament law, but in showing the direction in which it points. Okay? So in Tagalog, hindi isinasalang-alang ng Panginoong Jesus ang batas ng Diyos sa lumang tipan. Uh, ang ang kinokorek niya dito ay yung mga maling... Uh, ang kinokorek ng Panginoon ay yung maling pagkaunawa or interpretasyon uh, ng, mga, ng, 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 ng mga tao, ng mga Jewish scholars during His time. Okay? So, our Lord has been calling His followers to live a counter-cultural lifestyle, which means to affirm beliefs and exhibit actions that are different from both unbelievers and false believers. They are to be salt of the earth and light of the world. Those who remain unbelievers will one day face the Lord's retributive justice in hell, and false believers like the Pharisees and the scribes are no better, for they also cannot enter the kingdom of heaven, as stated in Matthew 5.20. Therefore, our Lord Jesus calls for a righteousness that surpasses that of the Pharisees and the scribes. This requires a true understanding of and obedience to God's law word in totality, not, for, not the tradition or common perception of Jew, Jewish scholars during that time. And our Lord is still calling his followers to exhibit true righteousness from the heart. Our Lord says, uh, elsewhere in the same gospel, Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So our Lord Jesus is calling his followers, especially in contrast to the hypocrites and the pagans or Gentiles. So the overarching emphasis of chapter 6 remains the same, since these large sections fall within the discussion or the category or the, of the so-called law and the prophets. So yan yung teaching device of our Lord, and he used it to clarify certain aspects of the teachings about the kingdom. Whereas he has been dealing, dealing with the true and false righteousness from the perspective of the Old Testament moral law, now, our Lord deals with this topic from the perspective of religious piety or what we call spirituality or religiosity. So our starting place 
is to understand that the contrast in this section are not between Moses' teaching and Jesus' teaching. Yan yung sinasabi ko, no? For Jesus has already stated earlier in the book of Matthew his intention to uphold Old Testament law. Kaya nga, when Jesus quotes the Old Testament, sinasabi niya, it is written, he's affirming the validity and the trustworthiness of the Old Testament law. If you're going to read earlier in the Gospel of Matthew. And kapag tradition ng tao, sinasabi niya, it has been said, for example, it has been said, love God and hate your enemy. Pero nowhere in the, in the Old Testament are you going to read uh, that God commands to hate our enemies. Okay? Um, so the Lord, Jesus gave a warning to his followers, to his disciples. The warning is uh, covered giving to the needy, prayer, and later on fasting. He wanted his disciples to deviate from the examples of the hypocrites. Hypocrites were actors who wore masks on stage. So in the context of the text, it meant religious counterfeit. To avoid being a hypocrite, the Lord did not want them to make a show or performance of their righteous acts like giving, prayer, and later on fasting. The Lord wanted his followers to act secretly and not to call attention. So the Lord instructed his disciples not to be like the hypocrites who love to pray in public so others can see them. He also warned them to avoid meaningless or vain repetitions because the number of repetitions does not necessarily mean that the Father listens. So in Matthew chapter 6, 5 to 8, our Lord says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received the reward, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Those who pray in public for the sake of public appearance have no reward from the Father. However, the Father rewards those who pray in secret away from the unnecessary attention from men. Praise be the Lord for the reading of his word. And in the first paragraph, our Lord speaks of two wrong types of prayer. The first one is what we call ostentatious prayer. Uh, this is prayer uttered in the most visible places with the goal of being heard and seen by other people. So we have an example, if we're going to remember, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, um, in, in, in the parable of our Lord, uh, of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Um, the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. He had this reward, and he was noticed by people standing by. Uh, they, must have, they must have said, Look at the Pharisee, how pious he is. Yet Jesus said that it was the tax collector 
who was justified. He did not call attention to himself, rather stood at a distance. That's the exact uh, Bible uh, statement. He stood at a distance, praying to God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that tax collector had his reward in heaven. So that the second kind of badly conceived prayer is repetitious prayer, which Jesus identifies as characteristic of Gentiles or pagans. The prayers of the priest of Baal in the days of Elijah can be an example. They called on Baal from morning till noon, calling louder and louder, and even slashed themselves with swords and spears. So you can read that in 1 Kings 18, 25 to 29. But Baal did not hear them, of course, and Jesus not condemning long prayers in these verses, since he himself spent long nights and many hours in prayer. What he is condemning is so-called vain repetition, which is a phrase that came into King James Version by the Protestant reformer Theodore Beza in his commentary. So the Greek word is batalogio, probably from the Aramaic word batal, meaning idol. So it is a warning against the vain words in praying. And sadly, many religious prayers are like this. Indeed, we can even be idle in our repetition of the so-called Lord's Prayer. Okay, So we can think of, uh, for example, Jeremiah's rebuke of the people of Israel in his famous temple speech that's recorded in Jeremiah chapter 7, 1 to 4, when he said, You people come into the presence of the Lord uh, and, and you say, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. So they recited it three times, and the prophet Jeremiah said, you trust in your lying words, words that cannot profit. So his rebuke to the people of Israel at that point was that they had put their confidence in the mere utterance of these external formulas just by saying the words mechanically over and over again, they thought they had some kind of spiritual power. That comes dangerously close to magic. And we see it in other religions too, in which people think that there is a magical formula or that an incantation, the rest, for example, the recitation of the word um, has some kind of power. So Christianity sees prayer as an act of communication by which the words we use carry content, matters of truth. And we should be acutely, acutely conscious of what we're saying to God when we pray. Otherwise, our prayers do become vain and futile or futile repetitions. So... Those who pray in public for the sake of public appearance have no reward from the Father. However, the Father rewards those who pray in secret away from the unnecessary attention of men. Observe again that our Lord takes it for granted that all who call themselves his disciples will pray. He assumes uh, this as a matter of course. 
because he only gives directions as to the best way of praying. Three times in this section, our Lord repeats the phrase, when you pray, creating the following four-part structure. So when you pray, do not, in verse 5. When you pray, do, in verse 6. When you pray, do not, in verse 7. And pray like this, okay? So uh, I remember my dad, I honor him. Uh, he passed away two years ago. He was a very skillful um, carpenter. He can do a lot of uh, menial things. Magaling siyang kumilagikot ng gamit. And I, that's one of my regrets in life. I didn't learn that from him because I went to Manila to study at a young age. And uh, usually, if, you're, uh, if you want to learn carpentry, you have to learn the do-nots first before the do's, right? So, so ang Panginoon natin, ganito rin. Sabi niya, when you pray, do not, and then do. When you pray, do not, and then pray like this. So our Lord assumes that genuine believers will pray. And uh, there is another lesson which deserves, uh, this is another lesson which deserves to be continually remembered. It teaches plainly that prayerless people are not genuine Christians. It is not enough to join in the prayers of the congregation on Sundays. There must be private prayer also. Without this, we may be outward members of Christ's church, but we are not living, living members of Christ. By the way, Jewish people did not normally pray in the street, but Jesus again reduces the questionable behavior to the absurd by graphically depicting a worst-case scenario, a person who craves notice so much that he arranges to find himself in the street during the regular uh, daily prayer times. Of course, this text does not rule public prayer, but only prayer to be seen and glorified by others. So in the words of um, Christian scholar Craig Kinner, it is not so much the form that matters, but the motive. So in praying, the principal object to be sought is to be alone with God. So we should endeavor to find some place where no mortal eye sees us, where we can pour our hearts to the Lord with the feeling that no one is looking at us but God. This is a rule which many find it very difficult to follow. For ordinary people like myself, also laborers and servants, often find it almost impossible to be really alone. But it is a rule which we must uh, all make great efforts to obey. Necessity in such cases is often the mother of invention. When a person has a real desire to find some time and place where he can be in secret with his Lord, he will generally find a way. So application, as believers in Christ and as we depend on his grace, we have to avoid religious hypocrisy and do not turn prayer into a show of spirituality. Instead, let us practice sincere private prayer, not for show, but to commune with God the Father. So remember, a well-tended prayer life 
is like a gated garden, a world within the world without. Outside observers can't peer over the wall. So this reminds me of the movie um, or the book, um, Miss Peregrine, School for Peculiar, Peculiar Children. Who among you have read that book? Can you raise your hand <laughs> or watch the movie? So in, in, uh, I think it, it's a perfect uh, illustration or metaphor for prayer where... Um, because Miss um, Peregrine, uh, she has a power to manipulate time. And in order to protect the peculiar children, they put them on a time loop in 1943. So, hindi sila So, it's like a world within, the world without. Nasa ibang dimension sila. So, ganun din pag nananalangin tayo. Uh, it's like a gated garden. We are... Um, we are alone with God and it's a time for us to commune with God and it's like a private bridge between life, death, and immortality. So yung isang paamo nakatapak sa ibang dimension, yung isang paamo nakatapak dito sa lupa. Uh, yung isang sa langit, sa makalangit na dimension. So ganun ang prayer. So ang tanong, what then is the cause of this type of religious hypocrisy by the Pharisees? Because uh, they're supposed to know the, the word, diba? But at, at that time, they were the experts of the law, uh, and yet they nullify the word of God by their tradition. So, bakit may ganitong hypocrisy during the time of our Lord? And even in our time, it is, uh, it is actually pride that moves one to play the hypocrite. As Christian scholar C.S. Lewis taught us in his book, The Mere Christianity, Mere Christianity in the chapter on the great sin, the hypocrites are not merely proud of being spiritual, they are proud of being, of being thought to be more spiritual than others, the others who esteem them and have respect for them. So another thing, Jesus, aside from the hypocritical display, Jesus singles out, again, vain repetition, the reciting of incantation and prayers over and over again in the belief that some power is to be found in the mere saying of the words. Jesus warns against these, pero it does not follow, however, that we are never allowed to repeat a prayer. For example, when we frequently pray our Father or the Lord's Prayer, uh, some scholars have pointed out that when the disciples requested of Jesus, teach us to pray, Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. He didn't say, pray this. So, as rule of interpreting the Bible in hermeneutics, uh, the teaching passages interprets the narrative. Okay? So, but here, uh, our Lord did not give us an explicit command to repeat the the exact prayer over and over again. Okay? But the church historically sense that there is nothing wrong by using the Lord's Prayer. And it is a fixture of many Protestant liturgical traditions and recited at least weekly, both in public and private devotions. So, as a testimony of, the ch of church history, it has been used, and I think... Um, the church is correct. 
as long as we're careful not to allow our practice of repeating prayers to become meaningless. Okay, so the Lord's Prayer is like a parenthesis or a footnote or a digression on Matthew's passage on the Sermon of the Mount. So when it comes to the Lord's Prayer, perhaps no part of the Word of God is so well known as this. And its words are familiar wherever Christianity is found. And thousands and ten, tens of thousands who never saw a Bible or heard the gospel of grace are acquainted with our Father. Happy would it be for the world if this prayer was as well known in the Spirit as it is in the letter. So perhaps no part of the Bible is so full and so simple at the same time. And it is the first prayer which we learn to offer up when we are little children. So if you study also in Catholic or evangelical schools, you learn the Lord's Prayer. Here is its simplicity. It contains the germ of everything which the most advanced believers can desire. Here is its fullness. The more we ponder every word it contains, the more we shall feel this prayer is really of God. So the Lord's Prayer consists of ten parts or sentences. There is... Um, on each of these parts, a volume might be written, but at the moment, we must content ourselves at present with taking few sentences. And this is not a series on the Lord's Prayer. And, um, and marking out the direction in which each, sentences, uh, each sentence points. So the Lord's Prayer is primarily about God his kingdom, and his, well, and his will. So the Lord thought that, that prayer is about the Father who is in heaven. Therefore, one may approach God with intimacy, yet with humility and reverence. However, one must also submit to his sovereignty and pray for his will to be done. And in chapter 6, verse 9 to 10, our Lord says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the first sentence declares to whom we are to pray, Our Father who is in heaven, and we are not to cry to saints and to angels, but to our everlasting Father, the Father of spirits, the Lord of heaven and earth. We call him Father, in the lowest sense, as our creator, as the Apostle Paul told the Athenians in Acts 17.28, in him we live and move and have our being. We are all his offspring. Okay? In another sense, we call him father in the highest sense, as the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, reconciling us to himself through the death of his son. We profess that which the Old Testament, Old Testament saints only saw dimly. If at all, we profess to be his children by faith in Jesus Christ 
And as in Romans 8.15, as the Apostle Paul says, to have the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Daddy or Abba Father. This, we must never forget, is the sonship that we must desire. If we would be saved without faith in Christ's blood and union with Him, it is vain to talk of trusting in the fatherhood of God. So, alam nyo, it is nearly unbelievable privilege for us to call God the Father. Before the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, this was an unknown name in most prayers. And pagans did not pray this way. Even in the Old Testament, the word Father appears in reference to God only 14 times. And madalas, Father of the nation pa. And never once does any individual Israelite address God directly as my father. It would have been considered much too intimate. In fact, the Jews of our Lord's day did not even like to use the name God. They spoke of heaven or the most high or merely Lord instead. All this was completely overturned by our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus always referred to God as his father. And here in the Sermon of the Mount, he authorizes his followers to do likewise. The second sentence is a petition respecting God's name. Hallowed be your name, or your name be kept holy. By the name of God, we mean all those attributes under which the Lord is revealed to us. His power, His wisdom, His love, His holiness, His justice, His mercy, and truth. By asking that they may be holy or hallowed, we mean that they may be made known and glorified. So the glory of God is the first thing that God's children should desire. It is the object of one of our Lord's prayers. In John chapter 12, 28, our Lord says, Father, glorify your name. So it is the purpose for which the world was created. It is the end for which believers are called and converted. It is the chief thing we should seek that in all things God may be glorified, as stated by the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 4. So the name of God signifies the presence of God. God hallows his own good name or reputation when he exacts justice on the wicked and deliver the right, delivers the righteous. We hallow his name when we model his character in our lives, and we are commissioned to proclaim his name abroad. Uh, in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, our Lord says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The third sentence is a petition concerning God's kingdom. Your kingdom come. By his kingdom, we mean first the kingdom of grace, which God sets up and maintains in the hearts of all believers in Jesus Christ by his word and by his spirit. But we mean chiefly the kingdom of glory, which shall one day be set up. So when Jesus shall come the second time, and all men shall know him from the least to the greatest, as the word of God says. It has to do with God's reign or rule, 
which in one sense involves God's complete control or ordering of all things at all time, but in another sense concerns his directions, his directions of the lives of his people. Here the prayer is for God's rule in two senses. First, may you rule increasingly in the lives of your people, and second, may your final messianic kingdom come. So the kingdom comes in the person of the coming king. The kingdom of God was present in the person of Jesus Christ. So in, in Matthew 12, 28, our Lord says, But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So the kingdom is present where the, king, the Spirit of God is present. And the fourth sentence is a petition concerning God's will. May your will be done in heaven as in uh, on earth. Here, uh, we, we here pray uh, as believers that God's laws may be obeyed by man as perfectly, readily, and unceasingly as they are by the angels in heaven. We ask that those who now obey not his laws may be taught to obey them and that those who do obey them may uh, may obey them better. Our truest happiness is submission to God's moral will, and it is the highest love or charity to pray that all mankind may know and uh, may obey and submit to the revealed will of the Lord. So in this prayer or petition, the, much like the previous one, the disciple asks that he and others might live in growing obedience to God's declared will as they are found in the word of God, and that the day may quickly come when as they are found, uh, when, when sin will be judged and the whole universe be willingly subject to God's will, even as believers desire to be subject now. This should be our desire, and we should always be careful to examine the attitudes of our hearts and our day-by-day actions in accordance with it. So as uh, scholar D.A. Carson says, these first three petitions, though they focus on God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will, are nevertheless prayers that he may act in such a way that his people will hallow his name, submit to his reign, and do his will. It is therefore impossible to pray this prayer in sincerity. It is therefore impossible to pray this prayer uh, in sincerity without humbly committing oneself to such a course. Okay? So we frame our lives according to the Lord's revealed will, or what we call the declared will of God, Rather, the secret things belong to God, but the revealed things belong to us forever. So attention, or application, I'm sorry. (laughs) Do not be like the hypocrites who pray so that people may see their prayer. Instead, enjoy private prayer with the Father, approach Him with intimacy, yet also with humility and reverence. And secondly, prayer is about our needs. So the Lord instructed his followers to pray for their needs, the heart to forgive, avoid temptation, and be far from evil. Note that the weight is more on the spiritual needs than the material. 
So the petition, there is a petition for give us this day our daily bread. Um, bread and water and protective clothing are the bare minimum of what we need to get by. And unlike some, Jesus is not so ascetic or otherworldly or monastic as to forget the body and its humble needs. Yet underlying all this is the providence of God. If we put God first, then these other things will be supplied. So if we have the wellspring, then we will have the well water. So the sixth sentence is a petition concerning our sins. Kaya forgive us our debts. We confess that we are sinners and need daily grants of pardon and forgiveness. And this is a part of the Lord's Prayer which deserves specially to be remembered. It condemns all self-righteousness and self-justifying. And we are instructed here to keep a continual habit of confession at the throne of grace. The seventh sentence is a profession respecting our own feelings towards others. We ask our Father to forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. To, to pray in such a frame of mind is perhaps mere formality and hypocrisy. So our prayer is nothing without love. We must not expect to be forgiven if we cannot forgive. So the eighth sentence is a petition uh, respecting our weakness. Bring us not into temptation. So the last two close clauses take, take the form of the Hebrew antithetical, para, uh, antithetical parallelism. So in other words, there are two different ways of saying the same thing. The way in which God refrains from leading us into temptation is by delivering us from evil. So the ninth, sen the ninth sentence is a petition respecting our dangers. Deliver us from evil. So we are here taught to ask God to deliver us from the evil that is in this world. The evil that is also within our hearts and not least from that evil one, the devil. Okay, so application, uh, uh, by the way, the last sentence I almost forgot, is an ascription of praise. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. So we declare in these words our belief that the kingdom of this world are the rightful property of our Father, that to him alone belongs all power, that he alone deserves to receive all glory, and we conclude by offering to him the profession of our faiths, we give him all honor and praise and rejoice that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. So application, let us pray for our material needs such as food, shelter, education, transportation, protection, health, and such. But remember to pray for spiritual needs more, including forgiving others, avoiding temptation, and deliverance from evil. Let us all examine ourselves and see whether we really desire to have the things which are taught to ask in the Lord's Prayer. Thousands, it may be feared, repeat these words daily as a form, but never consider what they are saying. They care nothing for the glory, the kingdom, or the will of God. They have no sense of dependence, sinfulness, weakness, or danger. They have no love or charity towards their brothers or their enemies. And they repeat the Lord's Prayer. These things 
ought not to be so. May we resolve that by God's grace, our hearts shall grow together with our lips. Happy is he who can really call God his Father through Jesus Christ, his Savior, and can therefore say a heartfelt amen to all that the Lord's Prayer contains. So here's a poetry from uh, Dr. Ed. Uh, He wrote this um, for all of us. And let me read this. Um, Pray, but not like the hypocrites. That is not the way to do it. It's not about display, but heart. Meaningless words are not a part. Pray the way the Lord instructed. Note how well it was constructed. Not for empty repetition, but full of sincere petition. Elements undeniable. Prayer that is desirable for the Lord Christ and the Father. Pray that is wise and proper. Call him Father and keep him close. God's the one we exalt the most. Humble self and hallow his name. Submit to the king just the same. Through faith we pray for the Lord's will. No matter what, we remain still. Praying for our daily felt needs and avoid spiritual misdeeds. To forgive as we're forgiven and to obey what was written. O Lord, from evil deliver every genuine Believer, let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for this privilege and opportunity to proclaim your word. Indeed, Lord, your word is precious and your word is truth. And Lord, thank you for reminding us the importance to have an audience of one, to live for you and your glory alone. Help us, Lord, um, to avoid being hypocrites and help us, Lord, to avoid Uh, vain repetitions in our prayer. Um, We cannot do this alone. We need the power of your Holy Spirit to enable us. As we depend on your transforming grace, we will discipline ourselves, Lord. Have mercy on us sinners, and thank you, Lord, for this uh, opportunity again. And may you meet all our needs according to the riches and glory of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.